like, hello. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. <laughs> We're back. We are your Blow Sisters. I'm Greer. I'm Betsy. And this is Don't Fuck With Ghosts, the podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. Thank you for tuning in to our eighth episode. Yeah, th- we're almost at 10 episodes. That's crazy. I know. That is crazy. Considering this is just like started out as a an idea in your Google Drive, and now it's a thing that we do that people listen to. I know. It is mind-blowing. Baffles me every day. It really does. <laughs> but thank, thank you to those who are listening. Um, it's been a minute since we've recorded, because I got back from Ireland two weekends ago. Was it really already two weekends ago? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. It feels like you just got back. I know. I think because well, the first time I saw you was on, was like three days ago, four days ago. Right. Yeah. Since you got back. Yeah. That's yeah. I got the recap. Yeah. But tell I us saw about you last Friday. It. Yeah. Um, tell us about your travels. Oh, it was so fun, but so busy because we were there for a wedding and my boyfriend was in the wedding party. So we had to get there a couple days early and then we had the rehearsal dinner and then the wedding and it was in Kilkenny, which was my favorite part of the whole trip. It was Gorgeous, and it was like this tiny little quaint Irish town. Um, and there was a castle, which I posted on our Instagram. It was part of the reel that I posted because I did a ghost tour by myself. <laughs> well, I wasn't alone, there was other people there, but like I was, <laughs> I went alone, <laughs> if that makes sense. But it was pretty good, not the best ghost tour I've ever been on. It because I think it was labeled a dark tour, so it was more so like these like sinister things happened at these locations Mm -hmm. and some of them are haunted or like she would talk about some of the hauntings, but like I really had to coax her for some ghost stories. Like, so one of the locations was this church that had 50,000 people buried under it, like under the, like it bled under, under the streets because it was so many people. Um, just because of all the wars and the plague and everything, the fucking plague and the church is host to, some historical museum there and that's that was the tour guide's day job like her her main job was working at this museum mm. at this church that's like incredibly haunted and it has like a ton of dead bodies under it <laughs> but i had to be like well have you had any experiences <laughs> and her being like well i don't normally talk about this like, uh, you ask so i was like but this is a ghost tour oh <laughs> what do you mean God. you don't normally talk about this um and stuff like that and like I had to be like, so is the castle haunted? And she's like, oh, yeah, there's 40 documented ghosts. Oh, like, oh. So I'd give it, like, four stars, maybe three and a half. I don't know. Out of five? <laughs> yeah, but okay. oh, there was one thing that happened. And granted, you guys know, we believe in pretty much everything on this podcast. <laughs> so anything that happens, like, my first thought is, oh, that's a ghost. Not, like, I don't try to explain it away any, <laughs> any other way. I'm like, that's a ghost. So one of the locations she took us to was, like, this narrow passageway that was, like, in between two buildings. And she said that it was um, haunted by this ghost that, like, when people would walk down this alleyway, they would see his silhouette, like, leaning against the wall, like, smoking a pipe. Mm-hmm. And apparently this he's a ghost of some guy that would, like, rob people. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she's telling us this story, an alarm starts going off that's, like, attached to the adjacent building. And she was like, I knew he wasn't going to like me telling this story. <gasps> oh, my I was my like, God. oh, my God. <laughs> that's so, that's so freaky. And then it went off again, like, as we were walking away. Oh, my God. 
I believe. I believe too. <laughs> and was, I, I told everybody after that, I was like, this happened. This crazy shit happened like, on the tour. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> Did you go? Was it during the daytime? No, I mean, like, it was at 730, I think is when we met. And like, mm-hmm. it was, I think an hour long, but because it's summertime and yeah. Um, Ireland, it was very light out. It didn't get dark out until like 10. Okay. That's what I was curious about. Cause remember when we, we went to Edinburgh, um, after we graduated from college as part of a big Europe trip and we did the haunted underground and graveyard tour. We've talked about this before. Um, but it was at nighttime, but it was like light out. So the stories were still scary and definitely like spooky. But when you're walking around a cemetery and it's I think this, yeah, not dark. It mm-hmm. kind of like takes away from the experience a I think little bit. The scariest part of that tour was when we went into that like, what's like the mausoleum, the mausoleum. Yeah. That's where the, the, the poltergeist was said to yeah. Rome or whatever. That part was really scary. Cause it was kind of sort of dark in there, but it was, it was damp and like Ugh, damp. cold. So yeah. That, that part, was scary. That part they did get us good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a great trip. Or do you want to yeah. keep? Do you want to recap more of it? Or was the ghost tour your main point you wanted? Well, oh, that was the main the point. Fans? I'm trying to think. We didn't really do anything haunted when we were in England. It was we, we were there when that heat wave hit, which was <laughs> crazy. <sighs> the UK really needs to. I mean, as time goes on and climate change gets worse, y'all are gonna have to invest in, in some ACs. Like, no, <laughs> that shit was. <sighs> Horrible. It was a what? 102, 103 Fahrenheit? 105. Was the high in Cambridge. I was in Cambridge. I wonder what, did you ever check what the feels like temperature was? Like, well, it, see, the thing was, it wasn't as humid as it was here. Okay. Like, so it was like a dry heat, but it was still, I was sweating out of every orifice. Wait, that's so <laughs> like, funny because I feel like I saw people who live in the UK on TikTok talking about how bad the humidity was, and then it would be at like, 25 percent no it was not that bad like so i told greer this but we did a walking tour when we were in cambridge and we were the only ones that showed up and we asked the tour guide how many other people had signed up and she said like 12 oh my god and we were the only ones that showed up and i we told the people we were staying because we were staying with some friends when we were there who are also americans and we told them we're like yeah we're the only ones that showed up and they're like yeah because you're crazy i mean i don't know that <laughs> but it just I... felt i mean yeah it was rough but like it was, yeah. And I also wore some pretty uncomfortable shoes. Her Doc Martens. My Doc Martens that <laughs> cut into my ankles. But, you know, I made it. <laughs> made it through. Battle scars. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a great trip. But we were exhausted by the end. Um, but then I had to go straight back to work when I got back. Yeah. That's always the worst part of vacation. Yeah. But I'm going to the beach this weekend. So, woo, back on that vacay <laughs> life. I wonder if there are any hauntings in the outer banks oh um sure Beaufort, where all the pirates came oh that's right. hell yeah oh yeah there's some old ass churches there oh we should look into that for next the next episode some haunted like ships or something <gasps> yes mm-hmm. oh okay <laughs> sorry i've been watching several videos on youtube about the titanic and like specifically <gasps> the titanic sinking i just got chills so um i think we should definitely do haunted ships Ah. Okay, now I'm getting all excited. Oh, hot and bothered. Oh, haunted ships. <laughs> okay, well, um, before we get into the meat of today's podcast, we have some other podcasts that we'd like to shout out. Yeah, because since we've started this journey, we've kind of like created our own little network of like newer podcasters that are going on this crazy ride with us and we've exchanged some DMs and they've all been really, really nice to us and shown us some love. So we wanted to give that back. 
Okay, so the first one we wanted to shout out was Hot Ghoul Podcast, which is um, hosted by Carrie and Renee, and they, like, combine true crime with paranormal, which is two of my favorite topics. Oh, yeah. And they're such nice girls, and we've loved getting to know them and talking back and forth. Um, And their podcast is great. I've listened to a couple episodes, and they have great chemistry and are great storytellers. So highly recommend that one. Um, for when we are on one of our off weeks or you've caught up on all our episodes and need something else spooky to listen to. Um, And then we also wanted to give Live, Laugh, Murder a shout out. They're another true crime podcast, but their setup is really cool. They... One of the hosts will tell a story that episode, and then the other host will have to guess if it's a true crime story or a movie plot. That's that's really cool. That's re- yeah, it's really really cool. Um, so I thoroughly enjoy those episodes. And then there's Nick of Crime podcast, who gave us a lot of love when we first started following each other. Um, another true crime podcast. And then Spooky Island Radio, which previously was called Haunted Hangover Pod, but. Um, they recently rebranded, and Andy is the host of that one, and he's super nice and has given us a lot of love. And he sent us this week's listener story. <coughs> Sorry, I got a cough attack. <coughs> oh, God. Get the I'm agua. dying. Get the agua. But yeah, so we'll get into this week's listener story, um, which was sent in by Andy, like I previously said, from Spooky Island Radio. Um... And I will read that to you guys now. Hello, it's Andy from Spooky Island Radio. I was going to send my story over Instagram, but was too long, so thought we'll send it on here. Hope you enjoy. Today is a personal story of mine. I was born in the southeast of the UK, and when I was about 12, my family moved up north to Cheshire, 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 Cheshire near Liverpool. Because that's where Harry Styles is from, I think. Yeah, because Cheshire Cat. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very difficult time as myself and my sister had to move in with my grandparents so we could get into the school my parents wanted us to go to. My nan and granddad are amazing, and we were very happy and well looked after, seeing our parents every few weeks when they could get up to see us as they were still in the process of moving up north full time. On weekends, they could get up and visit houses to try and find somewhere for us all to live. (laughs) Excuse me. <laughs> so family. <laughs> After living with my nan and granddad for a few months, we found a place to live. What I found strange was when I asked about where we would be moving into, they wouldn't take us to see the house. They said it was a, big, a nice big house close to our secondary school. The first time me and my older sister saw the house was the night the keys, the night the keys had been exchanged, and they took me and my sister to see the house and stay the night. The house was a new building, maybe five years old, with just an old man and woman as the previous owners. I asked my parents why we weren't allowed to see the house before tonight. They mentioned that the old couple that lived there did not like children and would not have sold them the house if they knew children would be living there. Sus. Mm -hmm. The house was nice, and me and my sister chose our bedrooms, which were empty at this point, just a mattress on the floor in each room. Nothing happened that night, and for the next few years, I lived in the house with my parents, older sister, and my little sister, a new arrival. I had started learning to play the bass and was about 15 now, and nothing supernatural had happened up to this point. Me and my mom were huge fans of The Most Haunted and watched every episode together, and when The Most Haunted live events would be on, we would watch them each and every night from start to finish. But my mom believes in the supernatural like me, so this was a really nice tradition we had. 
Anyway, back to my point. I was in the house alone and playing my bass with some music on. It was a very sunny day with lots of light shining through the upstairs landing. I was rocking out to some RHCP and shaking my head, feeling the music. And as I... Oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's what that is. I was like, Rocky (laughs) Horror. (laughs) (laughs) So he was rocking out to rock... No, not rock... (laughs) Fuck. Red Hot Chili Peppers and shaking my head, feeling the music. And as I shook my head from left to right, I saw something in the corner of my eye. Mm. There was a dark shape at the top of the stairs, slowly moving down the stairs. It was so vivid and looked like a tall man with a hat on his head. And like I say, it was so vivid that I stopped the music and put my bass down and called out for my parents. No response. I walked to the top of the stairs and walked down looking for a sign of someone, but there was nobody there. I got the sense that someone was watching me and ran back upstairs into my room. My parents walked through the front door about 10 minutes later, and I asked if they had been back since they left, but they said no. I told my mom about what I had saw, and she said my imagination was running away with me. It was quite creepy, but apart from the initial shock and fright, not much else happened. A few days later, a letter came through the post box and was addressed to a woman whose name I did not recognize. I opened up the envelope, and inside was a sympathy card addressed to a woman giving their condolences on the loss of her husband. Again, the feeling of being watched slowly creeped back over me. I thought to myself, comma, was this the previous owner of the house and they did not tell everyone they had moved houses? The rest of the day, I remember being pretty spooked, thinking, was the shadow I saw a few days ago this man? Remember, he did not like kids. Maybe he was back and shocked to see children living in his old house. That night, I went to sleep. It was unlike any other, and I would remember it for the rest of my life. It was the middle of the night, and I remember having a nightmare. I was lying in bed having a mental conversation with this dark entity on the other side of my door. The dark shadow with the black hat was back. His form pressed up against my bedroom door, speaking to me. It was like a scene from a film where I could see myself in bed mumbling questions and answers, and the black shadow would answer me and ask me questions. I remember being very cold and, pretty, and being pretty scared. This dream went on for a few minutes until we started raising our voices. I told him that I did not believe this was real and that I wasn't scared. I said to him, if you are real, show me that you are real. This was a mistake. I heard the latch on my door click open, and all of a sudden, I was watching myself in bed sleeping. It was as if I was now the black shadow on the other side of the door. I then flew towards my body, lying in bed asleep, and as I did, I woke up in bed. I sat straight up. I was sweating and out of breath and freezing cold. What had just happened? It was such a surreal dream. I couldn't sleep and stayed up the rest of the night. Over the next few days, I saw shadows out of the corner of my eye, but I was not scared the mood had changed. This shadow no longer gave me the creeps, but almost made me feel secure and safe. It was almost as if the dream had, I had was real, and maybe there was respect there now that I had stood up to him. Over the next few years, I continued to see his shadow every now and then, even when I was having friends around for the night. My friend was in bed early as the rest of us were downstairs chilling and having a drink when I was standing in the doorway at the bottom of the stairs and my friend asked where Martin was and I said he was in bed. They said he had just gone and I explained he went to bed at least an hour ago. My friend said he saw the shadow of a person walk past me and up the stairs. I was not scared or alarmed and said he must have had too many drinks. I was happy that he was still still around looking after me and my friends, keeping an eye out. I remember thinking to myself, that's my ghost you just saw, who was no longer just a ghost haunting, but also my friend, looking out for me and my friends and family. Wow. I'm, like, fascinated by the concept of being able to stand up to a ghost and then the ghost, you, like, earning its respect. Yeah. I mean, heck, that was one of our tips 
Like I know I think the yeah. last time was like or a couple episodes ago was like just tell them to leave me yeah. alone <laughs> and they will. I don't I don't know if I could I think if okay I don't think I could go on living in a house knowing there was a ghost in there unless it was a ghost of like a relative or somebody that I had known personally but to just coexist with a ghost in my house I don't I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. Yeah, and also, Andy, have you considered that this entity might have been the hat man, which is a sleep paralysis demon? Mm -hmm. Because that's my first thought that came to my head when I read this email. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I'm I'm thinking that it probably not just because of, like, the the stark difference in how you felt after the encounter. But that would have been my first thought, and I would hightail it out of there. I actually don't know much about the hat man. I know when we first found yeah. this email, you told me this. But I, I didn't don't know, know much, much about it. either about it, but like I, all I knew was that it was a sleep paralysis demon. That's oh all I knew. Gosh. I've never had sleep and it was paralysis. like yeah, oh gosh, I've had it. I know, but like I've never when I have sleep paralysis, I can't open my eyes, so I never see anything. But I fe- it feels like I'm suffocating. It's the worst. I mean, eyes open and closed, neither seems better. No, it's like, and then I have to like relax myself and then focus and then tell myself to like, I have to really focus to get the rest of my body to move. Ugh. Yeah. How often does this happen? Not very often. And it, it happens more so if I'm like not sleeping well, mm-hmm. like if I have a stint of not being able to sleep well, because then I'll be like in and out of consciousness. So like my brain will start to wake up before my body. That's really so, scary. Yeah. You know what this also reminds me of? Literally yesterday, I was like, I would love to watch myself sleep because <laughs> I, I just don't know. Like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, I can tell that I didn't move like an inch all night. But then some nights I'm like, all, like wrapped in the blanket. Have you ever woken up with your your knees up? What? Yeah, like, like no. This. I have. Well, yeah, oh. I, I hate it. I don't like that. Well, wait, haven't you woken up before where your body is completely flipped over on the bed? Like where your head is where your feet should be? I mean, yeah, but that's because I consciously <laughs> moved. Oh, that's because I okay, consciously okay, moved okay, myself. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think usually like if I'm getting like pissed off because I can't sleep, I'll go upside down in my bed. And usually that helps for whatever mm. reason. But okay. yeah, I was just thinking about how I wanted to watch myself sleep. And so not in this type of scenario, but when. You talked about being like pulled out of your body and watching yourself sleep, Andy. That's what I thought of, but I don't want to have your experience. No, that doesn't sound no fun. <laughs> but thank uh, you so much for sending that in. That was a great yes. story. Thank you, and listen to his podcast, Spooky Island Radio. And we'll make this plug later on. But you guys can always send listener stories to our Instagram DMs, or if they're too long, to our Gmail. Um, get them to us any way you can. And people have been sending them in. So we're really excited to connect with you guys about all this spooky stuff. Yes. It's very fun. All right. Okay. So we're going to get into the meat of today's episode. I've said that twice now, and I don't know why I'm so focused on meat today. Do but we have a theme this week? I guess it's... Um, kind of. So we're, t- we're going to be talking about stories that are from places where we've recently traveled to. Yeah. So Betsy was just in Ireland and the UK, and I was just in Pittsburgh for a bachelorette party. Um, So today I'm going to be talking about the haunted Hillview Manor, which is located just about 50 minutes outside of Pittsburgh um, in a town named, 
New Haven? Wait. Newcastle. Newcastle. There it is. <laughs> yes. Okay, I did clearly took some great notes today. Um, but yeah, just outside of Pittsburgh, I Googled most haunted places in, in the Pittsburgh area, and this was on a couple of lists that I saw. So I was really excited to get into the history of this place. So Hillview Manor opened on October 19th, 1926, under its original name, um, which was the Lawrence County Home for the Aged. And it was known as... For the aged. Oh, <laughs> <know>. my God. <laughs> well, it was more than just an old folks home, as you'll learn. Um, it was known as a poor house. And so it housed the county's mentally ill. Um, it took in unwed mothers, abandoned children, uh, formerly incarcerated individuals who just gotten out of prison, um, elderly residents in the county that didn't have family to care for them. Uh, a lot of the county's... what could back then would have been considered just destitute people. Um, this place took in, and I'm just going to call it the Hillview Manor um, because I don't feel like switching back and forth between these two names just to keep it clear. So basically Hillview took in society's outcasts and those who couldn't care for themselves is how you could put it. Um, but even though this house took in people who needed support, this really wasn't a place you wanted to go to, even if you found yourself alone and suffering. Um, and basically to put it bluntly, Hillview Manor at its best, uh, or at its genesis, was a place, like I said, um, that was a gathering home for society's outcasts. It was a place to hide them away from the rest of the, their community and their civilization. Um, so a building that perhaps had good intentions when it was first created, but quickly became a dumping ground um, for people who, didn't, who weren't deemed acceptable by society. Uh, the building's morgue was also used to process every single death that happened in the county. So not only was the morgue in this building, it's a huge building, I think 93,000 square feet, like multiple levels. It's a massive compound. Um, so this huge morgue was filled with bodies from those who died while living at the manor, um, but also the bodies of people who had died nearby over the whole nearby region. Um, and, People estimate that over 10,000 bodies have come through Hillview Manor during its operation. Hmm. So it's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of death. Um, and it's a lot of very tragic death, too. So at the start, the home was managed by a couple named Perry and Mary Snyder. Um, <laughs> and about... <laughs> rhymes and about 12 staff members um it was initially designed to hold around 110 residents but quickly became overcrowded which was really common for asylums at that time it, this place was essentially an asylum uh the snyders were in charge of the home until june of 1944 when they were then accused of incompetence and negligence um and severe malpractice there are reports of medical experiments happening to oh some God. of the home's youngest residents so basically, they were able to determine that doctors would conduct vaccination experiments on children oh who God. lived in the home, and they would essentially like pump them full of these vaccines until they either died or became severely ill as a way to try and determine like how many vaccine doses a person could handle. Oh but this God. just sounds like botched, like fucked up science. Yeah. Wait, remind me when is this happening? This is in 19. So this was between 1926 and 1944 okay. when this was happening. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's like science hadn't progressed all, you know, to where we are today, obviously, but I feel like common sense tells you, you don't pump a child with a vaccine till it dies. Yeah. Till he or she dies. Yep. Not it. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of darkness going on at Hillview Manor. 
Um, and because of this, by late August of 1944, the Snyders were given three weeks to totally vacate the premises. They were run off the property, um, basically fired from their jobs, and the home was forced to find new ownership. So the home continued to operate for many years under new management, and in the late 1960s, it was slowly converted into a skilled nursing home. Um, so it was no longer just sort of like a place where anyone could come um, who wasn't accepted by society had a very intentional purpose by the late 60s. Um, this is when it was officially renamed to Hillview Manor in 1977, uh, following major renovation, renovations and a huge expansion. Because again, the building was big, but it was just overrun with so, so many people who were suffering. Um, and of course, as a home that took care of the elderly um, and the ill and the mentally ill in its earlier days, it's no surprise that while Hillview Manor was operating, um, residents would pass away within the home's walls. Uh, some died of natural causes, while others chose to end their own lives themselves. Uh, reports of hanging were common, um, as were tales of residents jumping from the building's roof to their deaths below. And a large number of people who died within the home's walls are actually buried in an on-site in an on-site cemetery and unmarked oh. graves. Do you know what this reminds me of? What? Do you remember in Pretty Little Liars, the Radley Sanitarium? Yes. Yes. Although this place hasn't been converted to a boutique hotel. Not yet. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, very, very similar. Sinister operations. Yeah, very sinister, um, really just treating people with cruelty and a lot of death, just mm. a lot of death all over in the building, on the grounds, from people who live there, people in the county. <clears throat> so Hillview Manor operated as a skilled nursing home until 2004 when disrepair and financial constraints forced it to close its doors. Um, the county put the building up for auction in 2004, where it was then purchased by the family who owns the building to this day. It's currently owned by a woman named Carrie Trico, um, or Trico, whose mother was the original purchaser at auction. Uh, her mother wanted to turn the building into condominiums to rent, but she died before she could carry out this vision shortly after she purchased Hillview Manor. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of the Lorton Prison mm-hmm. that is being converted into an artist's call, like artist space, remember? Really, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, it is. There are. I don't know if they're renting out like apartments to rent, but I'm pretty sure there's like an artist colony that is being built up inside of this abandoned prison. How much money would somebody have to pay you to no. live in a no? Well, prison? hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> like per month, <laughs> like ten thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for for one year only, and then I'm done. Well. You then by then you would know if it's like really haunted or not. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if I'm getting ten thousand dollars a month and I know it's haunted, I could probably put up that with that for a whole year to make a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And like what kind of haunting it is. <sighs> like if it's a demon out there. Um mm-mm. twenty thousand a month. <laughs> yeah, probably for no amount of money would I do that. But that's what that reminded me of. And this poor wo- this woman was trying to turn into condos, which good thing she didn't because it wouldn't have gone very well. But then she died. Sadly. Rip. Um, so after she passed away, her daughter Carrie took over ownership and was, interestingly enough, approached by multiple people over the course of a few years who asked her to open the building up for paranormal investigations. Um, there have been rumors swirling about Hillview Manor and Hillview Manor 
um, in the Pittsburgh area, because I already forgot the name of the town that it's in, uh, Newcastle. In Newcastle and the Pittsburgh area for a while, um, there was a lot of interest from paranormal investigators, both professional and amateurs, and just general ghost enthusiasts like us um, who wanted to investigate the property. Carrie and her family obliged their requests, um, and the rest is history, which brings us to the present day. So today, Hillview Manor sits at the top of a grassy hill above Route 65 in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Uh, little has been done to maintain its exterior and interior since it closed its doors in 2004, and if you Google pictures of this place, it really shows. It's still very much in disrepair. Um, in addition to the peeling paint, the dark, shadowy rooms, and abandoned aging furniture, and seemingly endless empty corridors, Hillview remains unheated and only has electricity in a few very small parts of the entire premises. Um, and I also learned, I watched an episode, which I'll talk about towards the end of my story, of a show called Portals to Hell, <laughs> uh, where the, the host did an investigation of Hillview Manor. And I learned that sort of between when the building was purchased at auction in 2004 and when it was opened up for paranormal investigations a few years later, people would just like come into the building and loot like any materials oh, they could find. Yeah. So they would take like the metals that were in there from like pipes or um, like countertops and they would just come in and just, the whole place is just like torn up and mm. real. it just, Oh, it's, it's so scary. Um, so it made for a really good episode of TV. So um, while it might look abandoned to passersby who don't know what it is, Hillview Manor is actually far from empty. Today, it is full of professional and amateur paranormal investigators, uh, curious tourists, and the ghost of its residents from years long gone. So there are several well-known ghosts at Hillview Manor. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is a ghost named Jeffrey. He is the most well-known and most frequently cited at Hillview. Um, he is a child about nine years old, and they are estimating he was one of the residents from the 1920s or 30s because he is often seen wearing a baseball hat and, quote, knickers. <laughs> um, so a little like a pantaloon for this young child, which is really sad because that probably means he was... Oh, so he's a kid. Yeah, he's oh. a kid. He's a little kid when he died. Right? Like, spirits... You are a ghost at the age at which you die, correct? So, like, well, we've talked about this before. Some spirits can like appear at different ages and then than when they died. Okay, I'm but gonna since so many kids like went through yeah traumatic shit at this place. It would definitely make sense that there's child ghost ghosts there. Yeah, so I'm I hate to assume, but I I'm gonna assume Jeffrey was might have been one of those kids that they did the vaccine experiments on, which is so awful. Um, but Jeffrey has been seen by former nursing staff, doctors, and patients. Um, they've seen him wandering the halls, roaming around in patients' rooms. Um, and nurse nurses have even recorded in their patient records. So, like, official medical documentation that, like, is on record for all of time. Um, that includes information about, like, their conditions, like, scientific things. Like, on these medical records, nurses have included notes about seeing a mysterious child spirit making an appearance in the rooms and the halls. <gasps> so, like, could you imagine, like, my, my mom is an ICU nurse. Like, could you imagine she's doing her charts or whatever, making her notes, and she has to put, like, 
child ghost. Child ghost was list. present yeah. for <laughs> checkup. Oh my um, God. And I, I, I honestly think the reason they did this, they probably recorded this on the records, is because oftentimes once a patient saw Jeffrey's ghost in their room, um, they would die just a few days later. Oh, no. This is, like, recorded happening multiple times. Oh, no. I know. Isn't that awful? That's sad, but also it's, like... Jeffrey's like their spirit guide almost. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about it that way. Yeah. And I have to wonder if if you're in a place like this and because at this at this point, I mean, from for half of its existence, it was an old folks home. Um, so I have to wonder if maybe if you're an older person nearing the end of your life, if having some sort of indicator might be like comforting in some way, especially if you're suffering. I don't know. That's all like speculation, but it, it's just so sad too, that it's a child. Yeah. Yeah. Poor baby. But, um, Jeffrey makes himself well known, <clears throat> excuse me, makes himself well known to visitors. And what's also kind of creepy is that he has a hotel, a hotel room. He has a patient room, <laughs> <laughs> um, in Hillview that he, is most frequently cited in and people will bring like little toys for him. And so this room is covered in children's toys, which is kind of scary to like look at and very creepy, but it's also very sweet that they yeah. leave toys for him. Um, so moving on from Jeffrey, the much more sinister ghost called the creeper. Oh. It's <laughs> it's oh. just outside of Jeffrey's room. Um, there have been numerous reports of, the creeper and how he manifests. Um, and in the episode of portals to hell, one of the people in the show talks about having an experience just like this. Um, but the creeper is known to be a sinister black mass that crawls up onto the ceiling, slides down the wall and then rushes at the bystanders while the sound of like fast claws, like, no. I can't do ASMR on my little microphone. We don't need that. <laughs> but well, fast claws like rushes down the hallway. Wait, so what does he look like? Does he is he more like of a silhouette kind of thing? They just, with, just like, sharp claw looking. They they described it as a black mass, and oh I didn't God. know what that meant. And then in the episode, one of the I think she's a woman who is an investigator, like an on staff investigator at Hillview. She got camera footage of this shadow mm. and it's just on her phone and it's like it this one it starts out i don't know how to, quite to describe it but there looks like a mass that could be a head and then more shoulders and then you kind of see these like claw like nope. things come up oh my god it and she just has this straight up on her phone like not even with, with like professional like red light camera whatever no. the fuck like just no. on her regular old iphone no yeah so um jeffrey and then the creeper i guess is right outside of jeffrey's special room um staff at the manor believe that the creeper tries to scare videos and then he uses their scared energy to make himself stronger which sounds like a demon Wait, to me scares what video scares visitors visitors yeah okay yeah no that de definitely does sound like a demon demonic. like sucking people's energies yeah so we don't like the creeper i think we can like jeffrey i think i just feel sad for him um the next very well-known ghost is as the ghost of a man who is named eli sorry s-a-u-r-r-i um this story is very sad eli was a middle-aged man who was a resident at hillview in its early days um back when it was still called lawrence county home for the age so before 1977 um probably before 1944 
Um, Eli was actively recovering from alcohol dependency, but he still struggled to resist um, these vices. And because alcohol was prohibited on the home's grounds, he decided to sneak off of the premises in the middle of the night to try and get his fix. Early the next morning, Eli was found by some of the other residents uh, passed out in front of the home's front doors. They decided to carry him inside to the boiler room so that he could warm up and get sober after he um, woke up from his night out. But Eli never woke up, and he very sadly died in front of the boiler, likely from alcohol poisoning and exposure to the extreme heat for Mm. so long. And his restless spirit is believed to haunt the boiler room, Um, and many people, especially women have claimed to be touched, grabbed and pinched by something that isn't there when they go on tours. So yeah, not, not a good situation. A handsy ghost. A handsy ghost. All right. The next ghost who is very well known. I think it's, it's notable that there are so many ghosts who have actual specific names who are well known here. I mean, not so much the creeper, but because they have, because they have patient records, it's like so fascinating to me that they can say like, you know, Eli was a real patient. Jeffrey was a real patient. Amanda, um, or they, they assume Jeffrey was real. They found records of a child named Jeffrey. So I think they're connecting dots there. Yeah. Um, but the next ghost was a woman named Amanda. She was one of the most notable deaths during the late 1960s, um, at Hillview. She was around, this is so sad. She was around 100 years old and she was blind. Um, Staff put her room across from a hallway that led to the outside so that she could, she was in a wheelchair, um, so that she could easily wheel herself out in her wheelchair um, through the hallway to an outside balcony so that she could feed the birds. But there are two theories about how she died. Um, The first is that she got confused, made a few incorrect turns, and ended up falling down the stairs to the basement. Mm. I know. And the second is that one of the other residents pushed her down the steps where she died. And there have been multiple EVPs captured of people who are investigating on the stairwell where she fell down and died. And um, apparently you can clearly hear a voice saying the words pushed (gasps) and fall. (gasps) I know. Oh I tried to find these EVPs online, but I, I couldn't find them. I mean, I'm sure it's just from like amateur people who aren't putting their stuff out on the internet. Yeah. Um, but that's so crazy. I know. It is really, it's very creepy. Okay. And then the last most well-known ghost at Hillview Manor is a woman named Mary Virginia. Uh, Mary Virginia was a cerebral, pal- cerebral palsy patient and resident of their home. Uh, she lived in room 105. She spent most of her time playing dress-up and listening to music, and her room is still set up very similarly to how she had it when she was a resident of the manor, um, complete with toys, dolls, makeup, costumes, jewelry, and um, a music player. And actually, uh, many of the rooms at Hillview, and specifically the Hillview basement, are filled with personal belongings to many of the passed-on residents. And paranormal experts call these personal items trigger objects, uh, which are known to manifest the energy of those who had attachments to the items during their life. According to paranormal reports, Mary Virginia's ghost is very friendly and responds well to her trigger objects, um, all the stuff that's in her room that I mentioned earlier. Uh, She shows her presence by swinging the necklaces that hang above her bed, moving her dolls around, and faintly playing her favorite music tunes into investigators' recording devices. Wow. So she seems like a nice Dawson yeah, spirit. Yeah, she does seem nice. <laughs> but then I'm also like, if I was ghost hunting in this place alone at night and I was in a room full of like toys yeah. and if music started playing, like, it's all bad. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would, ha- I would have a really hard time interpreting, I guess 
it maybe goes off the energy that you feel, but I would have a really hard time interpreting like what is a benign ghost just trying to communicate versus like what is a ghost that's trying to scare the shit out of me by playing music. Yeah. I feel like all of them would scare me. Yeah. Some more than others, but like I would be on edge the whole time. But we should, we should go ghost hunting sometime. I would do it, but I feel like we should start out, you know, small, smaller, like go to like a haunted hotel or something, not like an abandoned, like (laughs) asylum. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Not that. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, in or the we fall, could do like, we should not that this is ghost hunting, but we need to do like I don't know if you've said that you've done these before, but the old town Alexandria ghost tours. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, because I haven't done anything like local or like Bull Run. I don't know. Oh, you told Bull, me about the Bull, Bull Run. Run one. Does like wine ghost tours? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that, <laughs> and we'll give you guys a review too. Yes. Okay. Uh, continuing on. So today, Hillview Manor's entire identity is tied up in the paranormal. Um, They offer several investigation and tour options for all interested paranormal enthusiasts. Um, You can pay for a private investigation, which can range from eight hours, four hours to eight hours, and will get you and your group sole sole access to the entire property, which would be really overwhelming. Wait, so what was the one before that? You can pay for like a private one, but you can- Uh, A private one- which is that, and then a public investigation, okay. which can range from three to six hours, and we'll get you and your group shared access to the property with okay. like anybody else. That feels a little better to me. Yeah. You I'm can, guessing it's cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper. Um, and power in numbers. Yeah. And then you can also <laughs> just do a regular old day tour, um, which is a guided tour of the property. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one's really cool because you get a guided tour of the property, and then after that, you have an hour and a half to just explore all on your own, which I feel like is where you could maybe do some like baby Mm, investigating. Um, and of course all guests who visit Hillview Manor have to sign a mandatory waiver before entering the property just in case. Yeah. I mean, you never know. You never know. Um, Hillview, this is all, this is kind of similar to the hotel that I covered a few episodes back because (laughs) Hillview Manor also has some like pretty big events that they host every year, separate from their daily uh, investigations and tours. So every year they have the Hillcon Paranormal Convention, oh my gosh. which is a paranormal and psychic convention that includes a long list of speakers and um, such as paranormal paranormal professionals and investigators. They also have psychics on site to perform readings, and they have vendors who sell things like crystals, soaps, handmade tarot cards, baked goods, amulets, <laughs> baked skulls, goods. Uh, spooky paintings, and like it's just. So whatever you think of like this place has, they have so many vendors. I was scrolling through their list for so long. Um, and then at night after a day full of listening to speakers and shopping at the vendors and getting to know, um, new friends, guests get a special tour of Hillview led by a professional psychic who goes around and basically tells them like all of the, the most haunted spots in the manor and people are like allowed to sit in those spots and like see if they have any experiences. Wow. Yeah. They also host an annual psychic fair. Um, And this past year, they had around 10 psychics of all different concentrations. They had mediums, energy healers, empaths, which I... I didn't know that was like a concentration of psychic. I thought that was just what people like, I'm an empath. Right. (laughs) So I need to Google what that is. Um, But they have Reiki masters and just anything else you could think of. And people come from all over the region to have readings, to connect with long lost loved ones um, and to off and to find closure or answers they have been seeking for a long time. And they also have ghost hunting 101 sessions for novices, uh, which cover investigating techniques and equipment. 
So like Ooh. we need to find something like that that's yeah. not in Pennsylvania. Yeah, go hunting that, for dummies. That would be so fun. <laughs> yeah. And then of course at Halloween they have a haunted house and like mm. a grass maze out in their field but i it wasn't clear to me if the haunted house is like inside the manor or if it's something that they build elsewhere Hmm. i feel like it would be inside you'd think right but i couldn't find pictures of it or anything but it still sounds fun Hmm. um and then hillview manor has been featured on numerous ghost hunting and paranormal tv shows including destination fear ghost asylum ghost hunters ghost lab Portals to Hell, which I watched, and Ghost Adventures, my nemeses. <laughs> how, uh, how was Portals to Hell? I actually really liked it. Yeah. So the co-hosts are Katrina Weidman, which she is a paranormal investigator. We, we listened to a podcast called Chatty Broads, and she was on a recent episode. Um, and that's when I first learned about her. Um, but she, she has a ton of shows. She was on Paranormal State, but she's... She does a lot of paranormal stuff. It's her career. And the show is hosted by her and Jack Osborne, who is Ozzy and Sharon Osborne's son. <gasps> oh, shit. It was... I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. They that's had, cool. Yeah, I really liked it. They had a really good dynamic. And Katrina Weidman's whole thing with investigating is... I don't, I don't know what the exact word is, but like she is a healthy skeptic, I think is how... I would Katrina describe it. Yeah, 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 she is. Yeah, healthy skeptic, and she never, like, she's always looking to make sure that if they're finding evidence for something that it's, like, real and legitimate mm-hmm. or indisputable, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really well done, and it was really spooky, too. That's good, because, so I watched Paranormal Lockdown to research my story that I'm going to talk about, mm. and I think that is, dates earlier than Paranormal, or Portals to Hell. I think, I think it does. And it is heavily produced very scripted is always in a filter like it doesn't feel real oh and so i was a little disappointed Uh, katrina was fine Mm -hmm. her co-host like was acting oh it was really bad no yeah but like the the topic was fascinating and like some of the stuff that they called on camera was really cool but like overall not the best. Okay. I think yeah. you like portals to hell. Okay. Jack Osborne, who's so random. Like yeah. he, he doesn't feel like he's acting or like being dramatic. They have a really good dynamic. So okay, good. everyone should go. Watch. I think it's on travel channel, but it's I, on discovery plus. Okay. If you have that, I just, so I can watch it. <laughs> I bought the episode on Amazon Yeah, or okay. you can buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Don't do that though. Cause it was three bucks. Um, <laughs> So I recommend watching the episode if you want to learn more about Hillview. I'm sure all the other shows it's been featured on are are pretty much just as good. I mean, Ghost Hunters is my favorite show. I haven't watched all of these, but I, I love Ghost Hunters. Um, so my final thoughts. Usually when places like this build their entire identity and business around being haunted, to me that feels like a little sketchy or it makes me feel skeptical because I feel like it's so much more believable when it's just like a hotel that ha- like the Omni Shoreham that like it's a fully regular operating hotel, but it just, just happens, happens to, to have this one haunted. little haunted part that not everybody knows about. It's yeah. Like a, 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 a secret that's kept that to me feels so much more yeah. believable. But I feel like if it is haunted to a point where it gets noticed by the media then mm-hmm. how can you not mark it off of that oh totally i mean i <laughs> no. think it's i think it's genius and i think like th- i don't think any harm can come from doing that um 
But I will say after researching this place and watching the Portals to Hell episode and just learning more, um, to me, I'm like fully convinced that this place is very dark and very haunted and ready to be investigated by anyone who, who wants to do so. Nice. And that is the chilling story of the haunted Hillview Manor Oof. in Newcastle, <laughs> Pennsylvania. It's a scary ass place. Yeah. I, I'll show you pictures of it. Um, and we'll put pic- I'll put pictures on Instagram, of course. Um, Just like any abandoned building is... I know. Mm-mm. I think the peeling paint and the leftover yeah. furniture is what really just it, like I'm sure it has like some broken windows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's exactly what you're imagining. Yeah, the abandoned mm-hmm. furniture makes it feel like it's like all moth-eaten. Yeah, and, and like apop- apocalyptic or like something bad happened and everybody had to leave right at yeah. once. That's the scary yeah. feeling that Ugh. it gives me. Gosh. Well, there you go. All right. It's my turn now. And today, I'm going to be talking about a story that takes place in England, which is where I just was recently. I wasn't actually in this specific town, but, you know, close enough. England is small. So. It's bigger than you think, but compared to, to America, yeah. it's pretty small. <laughs> it's small. <laughs> um, but today, I'm going to be talking about the Black Monk House and the Pontefract Poltergeist. So, so the sources I used for this story are the official website of the Black Monk House, 30eastdrive.com, um, a hauntedrooms.com article titled The Ghosts of 30 East Drive, Pontefract, and an article from a website called The Lineup titled Horror Across the Atlantic, Inside England, England's Haunted Black Monk House by Shannon Raphael, published July 27th, 2018. Oh my gosh, so official. Guys, I used a lot of different random articles for mine, so I'll cite that next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if I use like a shit ton of, of sources, I'll just be like, and then I got this from this source, but like, or I'll like this random source that I used. But since I only used three, I was like, eh, I'll list them. No, that's the professional thing. <laughs> to do you are correct here (laughs) okay so the background of this house um is it's a story centered around the pritchard family um made up of parents gene and joe and teenagers philip and diane and gene's mother sarah oh my god sarah oh my god God. (laughs) so this takes place in 1966 And the article, I don't remember which one, sorry, not so professional anymore, um, (laughs) noted that it was 10 years before the events in Amityville. Amityville? Amityville. Amityville. (laughs) So the Pritchard family would move to a seemingly serene brick house located at 30 East Drive. Wait, question? Yeah. Sorry. So is that insinuating that Amityville may have copied what happened here? When no, they like, I don't know oh. why they noted it because okay. I was like, oh, is, I forgot that Amityville, like where it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, was that in England? But no, it was in New York, right? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Kind of a pointless note, but you know, it hey. was there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the Pritchard family would move to a seemingly serene brick house located at 30 East Drive in Pontefract, West Yorkshire, England. And almost immediately after moving in, the family started experiencing paranormal disturbances. It started out as isolated incidences, but as time went on, they happened more and more frequently. Um, Specifically, over the summer bank holiday, which apparently is a public holiday in the UK. Yeah, I've always wondered why they're called that and not just like a federal holiday. Oh, is that what that means? Bank holiday? I'm pretty sure. 
Like, or is so, that you know the specific we, holiday? No, I think oh. bank holiday is just like, you know how we get like MLK day. That's a federal holiday or so Veterans day. day that, okay. I think they call it that because the banks close, but it's kind of confusing. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> so on this summer bank holiday, the kids were left with the grandma alone in the house. If you watched the visit, you would know. Oh, not the visit. Not a good not thing to do. Visit. Uh, okay. <laughs> So Philip, who was the son and the grandma, witnessed a baffling phenomenon, a fine layer of chalk-like dust, sorry, chalk-like dust falling not from the ceiling, but from a level below head height. So it was like, what? just kind of like, like manifesting? Uh, manifesting in the air and there's like chalk-like substance. Oh, that's so, I don't even know what to think about that. Yeah. And it would like, you know, collect on the, like it would keep falling. So it wasn't just like floating in the air, but it would like manifest in like below their eyesight and then fall to the ground oh my gosh and in an effort to clean up this chalky mess the kid's aunt was called in by the grandmother for backup so it must have been really messy yeah or either grandma- that or these or these kids just refused to clean probably up. shitty kids <laughs> i'm kidding um but when in an effort to clean the mess up the aunt ended up slipping on a puddle of water that had mysteriously appeared in the kitchen oh and her efforts to mop up the puddle were useless as more puddles appeared right in front of her and Philip's eyes what? as they were mopping it up. So that reminds me of in Half Blood Prince when Harry's like <gasps> scooping yes. up the water in the to, pensieve. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. to give to Dumbledore. Oh, and I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like after he gets the or gets the locket, he tries to yeah, and it's wow. like not pulling up. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Um. So that was happening. And then that was kind of the start to several years of inexplicable events. Years? Yeah, years. Mm. So I'm going to list like all the different things that would happen in the house over the years. So green foam would appear from the taps and the toilet even after the water was turned off. Foam. Green foam. I'm like imagining like sea foam and it's like Ew. green colored. Oh, like, sea and foam that is makes gross. me think, of, do you know what that makes me think of? Like eggs like sulfur yes like really really sulfur yellow eggs. sulfur that's mm-hmm. almost green and you know sulfur is a sign of the devil yep um so other than that the tea dispenser was activated on its own resulting in all the dried tea cascading onto the work surface so like it would activate and like spill over oh my gosh lights would turn on and off classic Plants would leap out of their pots. What? And laying on the stairs. So like, like think of a, a potted <laughs> plant and it would just go <laughs> and like knock itself off. Oh my God. New fear unlocked. Guys, I have <laughs> yeah. like 16 plants. There's a plant literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Cupboards would shake violently. That's also a new one. I'm used to cupboards opening and closing. I no, mean, but like I'm not used shaking. to that, but... that just, it kind of makes me think like, okay, so one poltergeist may open the, the cupboard, but like a really malevolent, strong poltergeist would like shake it about. Oh, I'm just envisioning what that feels like to me is like if you're in a house and a train goes by and it shakes the house, yeah. that's what I'm envisioning. That's yeah. always very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this one, this one is very unsettling. Photos of the family would be <gasps> no. slashed with no. a sharp knife. Oh! <laughs> I'm tapping my feet because I'm scared. There is an oh endless list of levitating and thrown objects, including a solid oak sideboard. Like b- from the wall? I, what is a sideboard? Oh, I, like on a like, bed? I thought it's, oh, I thought like, a sideboard was like that wood paneling on maybe, the wall. Maybe. Sideboard. 
Either way, it's like a big chunk of wood. (gasps) Dislodged from something, no less. Yeah. Deadly smells. Ew. What the, like. And that's another sign of a demon. Dead body smell? Yeah, like rotting meat. I couldn't imagine smelling a dead body. That's what they smelled in the Conjuring book. Oh my God. They would like get wafts of rotting meat. (gasps) I'm just getting hereditary Mm -hmm. with her head. Oh, God, not the child. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, last one. And overturned furniture and heavy... Oh, God. Heavy breathing <gasps> from an invisible source. Ew. No. 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 <laughs> no. I'm giving myself the heebie-jeebies again. The not, the, not the heavy breathing. <laughs> that just makes me think of the crone of the Catskills, like the naked grandma, like breathing like oh, the grandpa with the tracheotomy. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so this poltergeist was picked up by the press only two years later in 1968. And none of the sources that I looked at talked about any family living in this house beforehand or like any experiences anybody had had with this with this thing like previously to 1966. So I don't know if the house was built in 1966 or if the family brought it with them. So they didn't. I'll get into that. But maybe it was a new house or or something. I don't know. But that's the only logical explanation I can think of for, like, it only getting noticed then. Well, I wonder if maybe, because I'm sure this stuff was, like, super stigmatized back then. I mean, it's still stigmatized now to talk. Like, you can be seen as a crazy person. So I wonder if families just suffered in silence and then moved. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they were, like, the first family that stuck it out long enough for, like, it to get noticed by outside people. Yeah. Um, and in the press, this entity was dubbed Mr. Nobody, but the family preferred to refer to it as Fred because they, they thought of it as a way to normalize its presence as it seemed no amount of initiatives could persuade the entity to leave the family in peace. Oh my God. Exorcisms were met with indignation. The walls would seep holy water. (gasps) How did they know it was holy water? Because it was probably, like, the priest was there, oh, was, and he was probably, like, yeah. doing something oh. to it, and then it would just, like... Reject it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Faces were slapped. Like, so, like, the... Sorry. <laughs> That's not funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, the exorcist. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. It's not funny, but it is kind of funny. Anyway. It's um, not funny. People were shoved downstairs... And then this part, this one is really crazy to me and, like, kind of the hardest part of it for me to believe at least. But, like, if it is true, like, crazy. Fred's hands would appear from nowhere and conduct the hymns that were aimed at shooing him out. Clap, clap. Clap, clap. Clap, clap. Clap, clap. <laughs> okay, that's, clap, clap is conjuring two. No, it's the first, it's oh. the first one with the original trailer that came out for the first conjuring movie. They're playing hide and go clap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have to clap and they, yeah. yes. It's, it's kind of like, um, what's that game? Marco Polo. Marco Polo. And then you would, and then like the seeker is blindfolded and you would clap, clap. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> off topic, but that's what clap, clap is. And it's like, but like at one point in that commercial, it was like the ghost or demon or whatever it was that did the clap clap. Mm-hmm. So, and you saw his hands. Yeah. Just his hands. So like, I guess hands could appear. Probably. Um, but yeah, isn't it 
so creepy. That is so... And, and just, like, so taunting. And they were wearing huge women's fur gloves. What the fuck? Yeah, like, wouldn't you think they'd be, like, rotted hands yeah. or something like that? But no, wearing, like, really fancy fur gloves. Wow, yeah. In midair. If that's real, that's <laughs> fucking wild. That's crazy. <laughs> um, gosh. So while Fred could sometimes be aggressive towards the family, a lot of his antics were also highly amusing and... It kind of reminds me of Peeves a little Mm -hmm. from Harry Potter. Um, And there was this one instance where a skeptical aunt came over to the house and Fred ended up calmly pouring an entire jug of milk Mm. that he had revived from the fridge over over this aunt, leaving the kids in like stitches. They were laughing so hard. (laughs) But more often than not, Fred was pretty excessively violent. Right. Um, so Joe was the dad that I had mentioned early, earlier, and he was relatively happy in the house. Um, but there was this one instance, um, where he got locked in their coal house, which is where like this cupboard basically where they kept all the coal for their fire and Mm. stuff. And he got locked in there. And when he came out, he was allegedly a broken man. Like he was not the same. Oh, um, and this is all according to their neighbor, Carol, who, you know, she still lives next to the house. Wow. And she knows pretty much all there is to know about it. And she's like, she used to be like the caretaker of it, but now she, she like won't go in the house. Is it um, like a sort of standard English row house? Like it's connect, like connected? Yeah. So yeah, I'll show oh, you a picture wow. of it, but it's like a, it's not like a typical row house, like the ones in DC, but it's like mm-hmm. more flat, but it, they're all connected. And so she brick. probably heard stuff. Oh, she, I'll, I'll talk about Carol. Okay. Don't oh you, gosh, don't you Carol. worry. Let's go Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Carol. Oh man. Um, but because Joe had this traumatic experience in this coal, coal cupboard, he ended up turning to drinking and eventually one night he unfortunately asphyxiated on his own vomit and died of a massive heart attack on their bathroom floor and this happened in the 80s like late 70s 1980s that's so sad around then um and so i talked about this earlier but i watched paranormal lockdown Mm -hmm. and it was their investigation of the black monk house and when the new caretaker who's not carol anymore he was telling them about joe and how he passed they were at in the bathroom mm. and katrina who we said is a healthy skeptic said that she saw his spirit in the mirror of the bathroom when they <gasps> when they were in there oh my god because she like said she like so her co-host is nick groff and she said that when she looked up into the mirror where she should have seen nick she saw a <gasps> completely strange like different man oh my god and she, like, described what she saw and, like, what he looked like. And the neighbor, or, like, yeah, I guess he's a neighbor, too. Um, the caretaker was like, yeah, that's Joe. That's so frightening. Yeah. What did she, re- like, what was her reaction like? What, like, was well, she? She was, like, it was more so, like, it was weird. Because this happened a couple times where she would be, like, well, I didn't want to say anything to freak you out. But oh, oh my gosh, I yeah. saw this when we came in. Or I felt this when we came in. Or I saw this guy in the mirror. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, well, that's why you're here to freak us out. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after Joe passed away, the poltergeist Fred turned its focus onto Diane, who was the young daughter. And she was often left with unexplainable scrapes and bruises. And when both Philip and Diane were close to adulthood. So this is like several years at this point mm-hmm. being in that house. Diane's long hair suddenly stood on its end 
followed by her being dragged, kicking and screaming up the (gasps) stairs. Oh, no. Which left her traumatized, obviously, and with clearly visible finger marks around her throat. (gasps) Oh, my God. And this makes me think of The Conjuring when that, I don't know if you remember this part of the movie, but it's like when all the investigators and Ed and Lorraine are in the house and they're like all looking at each other and one of the girl's hair like stand, like stands (gasps) up and then he yanks her and she goes flying into the wall. Yes. (sighs) All right. (laughs) So moving on, we're going to get into the history of the house a little bit and figure out like how Fred ended up there in the first place Mm. and who he is. Um, so when Joe and Jean had returned from that previously mentioned holiday, they reported seeing a spirit wearing black monk robes that appeared to be hanging over their bed in midair. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it just, that, that description makes me feel like, a, like thinking of like a body that is hanging. Like, yeah. Like, no, it kind of does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <gasps> that's crazy that you said that because Why? this, Why? Monk, this monk was hung. <gasps> I'm psychic. You are. Okay. But we're going to get into that. Um, So this apparition, apparition continued making appearances throughout the Pritchard stay in the home, eventually giving the house its name, Black Monk House. Um, And after the local press picked up on the activity, paranormal investigators became interested in the house after reading about it in newspapers. And they started researching if there had been any monks who lived in the area in the past, especially any who might have had a reason to haunt the home. And they learned that the land that the home had been built on had a troubled and dark past. So King Richard II was killed at the nearby Pontefract Castle in the 15th century. And many wars were fought on the town's land. They had like their own civil war over there. Don't know when, but it was pretty deadly, I've been told. Wow. (laughs) Or I've learned in my research. (laughs) Um, And the land just across the street from the Black Monk House used to host gallow executions. Ugh. So gross that that was like a thing. That was your entertainment for the week. I know. It's crazy. Um, There was evidence of a former monastery, which existed from 1090 to 1539. Oh, God. All these burps. Okay. And it seems that this was the former home of the Pritchard's unwanted guest. Mm. In the 16th century, a monk was sentenced to death for the rape and, um, and murder of a young girl. And he was hanged from the gallows located just across from the modern site of the Pritchard home and his body was discarded down a local well. And in the paranormal lockdown show, this guy, this like local historian, paranormal investigator guy that they had been talking to had like old maps of what ancient Britain looked like or like medieval Britain had looked like. And it showed that the well that's, um, where they threw this monk's body sits under the current location of the lounge in 30 East drive. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Wow. So now the Pritchard's description of the poltergeist and his black, possibly monk-like robes make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. There are some other theories that I will briefly mention. Um, One theory states that there were never any monks in the area and that the name derives from his appearance. And one researcher claims that Fred is the twin of a murderer and was blamed for his brother's misdeeds, resulting in his restless spirit seeking revenge. I don't believe in either of those. (laughs) I think there was enough evidence to show that there was a monastery that was on the land way back when. Um, And those maps like show. Yeah. So (laughs) 
So yeah, I think the first um, is what happened. And also, aside from Fred, there seems to be more entities residing at 30 East Drive, which they didn't really talk about in the Paranormal Lockdown episode, just because like the poltergeist was their main focus. But apparently, a young girl and boy and an elemental spirit are said to haunt 30 East Drive. And some have speculated that the elemental spirit is controlling the other spirits in the what? house. Wait, what's an elemental spirit? I'm not quite sure. And when I was, I was researching another possible story um, that talked about an elemental spirit, and it seems more so like something that's really, really powerful that's not human, possibly from hell. Okay, this, my very brief Google search says, elemental spirits are water, earth, fire, air, and ether. These are some of the demons that witches and occultists use in their magic practices. Okay, well, demons. Demons. Yeah, not good. Oh, an elemental is a demon of immense power. The oh, most powerful see, I was right. type of all demons. <laughs> oh, God. Elementals are created when powerful formations such as ice rivers or mountains die. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That is interesting because I was going to mention this later, but in Paranormal Lockdown, they both like ha- like strongly believe that Fred is a demon, not just a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting if, like, the demon part is the elemental and, like, Fred Fred is, like, the actual poltergeist, the one that's doing the silly things, pouring yeah. the milk. Um, mm-hmm. throw, he throws marbles at people. Like, that's very poltergeisty. But then there's, like, more sinister things, like grabbing people and, like, dragging them and stuff like that and slashing photos. Yeah. That's very demonic. So, like, what if he's controlling everything? Ooh. That would make sense. Yep. So even through all of this and knowing they are being haunted by something so sinister, Jean refused to be frightened out of her home. And it wasn't until the mid-2000s that the Pritchards finally sold the property to British filmmaker Bill Bungay. Hey. Hey. (laughs) They were there a long time. Yeah, and it's unclear if they, like, moved out well before they sold the property. Oh, Okay. That was unclear to me um, because even though Bill bought, I'll get into this. Never mind. So we'll talk about Bill now. So in 2012, Bill made, Bill Bungay made a movie about the house called When the Lights Went Out with director Pat Holden, who was a native of Pontefract. And after finishing the movie, he wanted an original way of promoting it and discovered that the house was on sale and for cheap for obvious reasons. So he bought it. And this resulted in a red carpet movie premiere where two competition winners walked the tiny carpet to view the film in the actual house it was based on. That's genius. Yeah. That's so cool. I would not do that. Interesting that he only gave it to two people, though. I think that probably... it's a small house, but... Probably makes it... It's more exclusive, and then it's more scary for the two people who are in there. Yeah, that's true. So they're more likely to probably enjoy the movie. Yeah, that's true. brilliant. And despite visiting the house and speaking with the family that were terrorized there, Bungay still remained a skeptic. He figured mm. figured that there was no way it was still around after 40 years. Oh, it being the mm-hmm. poltergeist. Yeah. And clearly, <laughs> I, I wrote a note. Clearly, he wasn't well-versed in the paranormal. <laughs> that shit is eternal. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It does not. <laughs> um, and during the gathering, I guess, I think this was a separate gathering. Um, during the gathering of the stars of the movie at the house, he met the neighbor Carol, who was a psychic. Oh, yeah, she's a psychic. Oh, <laughs> I forgot 
to mention that. She's a psychic and had her own fair share of run-ins with Fred and was now taking care of the house. She was quick to inform Bungay that now... <laughs> Bungay. Sorry. It sounds like Bengay. What's that? Isn't that like foot cream? Is it? I always get Bengay and Preparation H mixed up. But oh, pre- I th- isn't Preparation H <laughs> for asshole hemorrhoids? Cream. Oh, is it? I know it's for your I butthole. Don't- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Bengay is foot cream. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> she was quick to inform Bungay that now that the house was open to more visitors, activity had started again in earnest, and Fred was standing by the stairs observing them. Like, as they were having that conversation. Oh, my God. But Bungay remained skeptical as he had yet to experience anything on his own. Um, But that was going to change soon. He went to go take a picture with the movie stars Hannah Clifford and Tasha Connor as a memento. And as they posed and took the picture, his iPhone went from 75% charge to dying in a beat. Bam. Drained battery. draining. The photo didn't appear in his library after he recharged his phone, and it wasn't until weeks later that it finally did show up. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> That's know. really creepy. Okay, now we're going to talk about Carol, because she started experiencing disturbances that seemed to uptick right before Bungay came into ownership of the property. She would get three to, f- like, get bumps and bangs coming from 30 East Drive at three to four in, in the morning. Mm. Witching hour. Classic. Glowing blue balls of energy in the corridor. corridor. The duvet on Carol's son's bed being formed into the shape of a man. What? Oh, ew. Yeah. Oh. I'm just like imagining her going to like check and like <gasps> seeing like there's no man in there. Oh my God. It reminds me of the invisible man. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my he God. wasn't a ghost. He was just a billionaire who could make himself invisible. Technology but, is yeah. scarier than but ghosts. But that, that like <laughs> the idea of... Pulling the shit yeah. off and there's no there. God. Yeah. But like, yeah. Mm-mm. The black shadow of a very tall entity would come through the wall into her house. And the apparent sound of a TV blaring in 30 East Drive, despite it being empty. Oh, a report that had Philip Pritchard, who was now in his late 50s, quite alarmed. So like this thing is so strong that it can move from that house into Carol's house and like her garden because she would like see it outside too and stuff she talked about (sighs) so other than the picture showing up later on his phone Bungay was about to finally witness something on his own a documentary crew had set up shop in the house and he took the opportunity to visit on their last day of filming They didn't think to inform him of all the strange happenings that had occurred over the course of production between a kettle switching on and superheating of its own volition, constantly, uh, a constantly missing thermostat, a researcher, researcher being pinned down onto the bed in the small room and possible evidence of the poltergeist continued fascination with keys. So so for context with this one, back in the Pritchard's day, a bunch of keys consisting of all the keys of the house fell from the chimney when Jean was brushing the flue including a peculiar key said to be a large medieval door key. Oh, my God. So it was intriguing to Bungay when he learned that the keys belonging to one of the producers had gone missing. The crew looked high and low and had almost given up until one person suggested looking into an old vacuum cleaner that Bungay had bought at a charity shop as decor. Oh, my God. (laughs) So it didn't even work. Oh, shit. Uh So, yeah, and to Bungay's knowledge, this vacuum no longer worked, and even if it did, would not be powerful enough to suck up a heavy bunch of keys. So, furthermore, after the crew had left for the night, 
Bungay went out front to throw some trash out and to securely lock the gate by adding a concrete block against it to keep out unwanted individuals, only to see said block moved aside and the gate ajar only two minutes later. Oh my gosh. Keys missing. <gasps> no. Yep. Oh. Bungay has now officially left the school of skeptic. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk now about 30 East Drive today. Several paranormal shows have visited 30 East Drive, including Paranormal Lockdown, which I've talked about a lot already. Um, Again, this is hosted by Nick Groff and Katrina Weidman, and they featured this house on the premiere season of their show on Halloween 2016. And they spent over a hundred hours in the home. Uh, yeah, and Carol locked them in. Like they had her put a padlock and like chain them in. So they were there for over four days. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Quick math. Yeah. Because yeah, twenty four is almost twenty five times four is a hundred. Wait. Oh. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wait. Times four. The hundred is not relevant. Wait. But the hundred is relevant. Oh. Wait. Because why? they were there for a hundred hours. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot you said that. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so they were there for 100 hours, and they reported hearing a loud bang on the stairs, and when they went to see what could have caused the bang, they found a knife on the stairs. Stop. Yeah. That was an episode. <gasps> Katrina felt differences in her physicality during her time at the house. She felt like she was drowning in quicksand at one point. She felt overcome by an intense sense of fatigue, and, like, a huge weight was on her. And, like, whenever they went upstairs, she would keep saying, like, she feels sick. Like, it was making her nauseous. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Nick noted other strange strange happenings, such as a ball moving on its own. So, in this part, they had, like, a bouncy ball on the the floor. And I think this was in Philip's room. Mm -hmm. And he asked the entity to move the ball. And it moved. Mm -hmm. They were like, can you move it across the floor? Mm -hmm. And the way that they were like talking to it almost sounded like they were talking to a little kid and like the way that it was behaving and like just slowly moving it instead of like chucking it against the wall. They're like, it it felt like we were talking to a kid. Oh, and then that takes us back to like that other researcher saying that there was like a little boy and girl that were in the house. So that made me think of that. Both Katrina and Nick got scratched in the coal hole, which is where Joe got stuck. And had then like, and like his had his traumatic. traumatic experience, and that's what she was talking about on Chatty Bras, where she got scratched. <gasps> it was that one. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. This scratching always. That's very that's, demonic. It's it's demonic, and I'm like, there's no explaining it. No. You know, there's no debunking that. Yeah. Terrifying. Oof. Like that she had like they drew blood. Wow, now I'm just remembering like a cat scratch. I'm just remembering the Chatty Broads episode and I mm-hmm. had chills when she was talking about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that is this. That's a yeah. Lot. Yeah. So now it's open to visitors and you can stay overnight for 75 pounds, which seems kind of cheap to me. That's like not a lot of money. Yeah, like what you had to pay like 400 something for a Velisca? Yeah. It was it's not cheap. Yeah, no, for 75 seems pretty cheap to me. Wow. Because that's, um, what, maybe 100 bucks? Yeah. With, like, conversions yeah. and depending Now, on... for us to go, it would cost a lot more because yeah. we have to fly there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do, not, I do not want to go there because I'm not fucking with no demons. No. Um, but the owners 
actively do not recommend staying the night and will even try to discourage you from doing so. The website clearly states that this is not a traditional bed and breakfast and visitors <laughs> will not be covered by insurance if they choose to visit. Could you imagine if somebody shows up thinking it's an actual b and oh Like they clearly did not do their research. That would be so tragic. <laughs> Um, despite the active discouragement, the waiting list is long and the house is booked solid up to a year in advance. That's crazy. However, there are some house rules. All visitors must sign a waiver releasing the owner of liability. Alcohol is forbidden, as is the use of Ouija boards. Mm, there's a reason, folks. Yeah. There's a reason yeah, to tell you to stay away. It seems like Fred, the, the demon, <laughs> is... <laughs> Already very powerful, but if you were to bring a Ouija board into the mix, oh my God. that shit is going to, like, materialize. I know. <laughs> They're like, we already have enough demons and ghosts here. Like, we don't need anything else. Yeah. Nope. The owners request that no visitors attempt an exorcism on the property. Oh my gosh. They've never worked and have only <laughs> ended up making Fred mad. <laughs> Fred prefers the kettle to remain unplugged, but filled when not in use. Visitors are asked to respect this wish to avoid incurring one of Fred's trademark destructive tantrums. <laughs> and the website boasts almost 300 happenings that former visitors have reported. And the common types include foul smells, disembodied voices, scratches and other physical attacks, unexplained light anomalies, nausea, sh and shadowy figures. And Fred's favorite party trick is moving marbles, which I had briefly talked about mm -hmm. earlier. He rolls them and throws them, appears to drop, and they appear to drop through the ceiling or out of thin air sometimes. And some visitors have claimed to have had marbles appear in their homes and other locations after Stop. leaving East Drive. Oh, no. Oh, uh-uh. <laughs> Could you imagine you get home and you're like, finally, I'm gone from this place. And then you look down at, like, your coffee table and there's, like, a pile of marbles. I feel like that would be, that's, like, the ending to a really, like, scary movie. Like, you think it's over and it's not over, There's a bitch. fucking marble on your table. He's there. Oh, God. So Carol isn't the only neighbor who has claimed having encounters with the poltergeist on their property. Fred bounces all over the street. That's all I said. Oh. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> Great. I guess I didn't want to be named. <laughs> On one notable occasion, the bed and Diane, who was the um, the young girl who got dragged up the stairs and like mm -hmm. fingerprints on her throat, her old room was destroyed. And this is like now today. Mm. Um, her old room was destroyed and the room trashed around 4 a.m. on a night when the house was unoccupied. And the kitchen has also been found in disarray on occasion. Oh, my gosh. So my final thoughts are that it's unclear how long Fred has taken up his post as the Pontefract poltergeist. But after literal decades of documented disturbances ranging, ranging from mundane isolated incidences to full-blown violent attacks, it's no wonder 30 East Drive became known as the most haunted house in Britain and why Fred was dubbed the most violent poltergeist in all of Europe and possibly the world. Woo. That was a journey. Right? Have the the Warrens haven't investigated this house? No. That's so surprising. I know. Because, like, the 60s was, like, their prime. Yeah. And they did that other house. In, they did the Enfield. Yeah. Well, that was, like, in the 70s. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I want to Google a picture of this place. Oh, yeah, Black you should. It's, yeah. It's pretty creepy looking. I know you said the episode wasn't great. You should still but watch I it. I want to watch you should, it. Because I still enjoyed it, and, like, it, parts of it really freaked me out. I just couldn't get past, like, the guy really just the drama leaning it. in. And, like, they try to tie it to this other investigation that they did 
um, I don't remember what it was called or where it was, but they were like, I think this is the same entity. So, Mm. and like that entity was like disturbing his family back home. So he like had a vendetta against this thing. And then like throughout it, like Katrina was like, we did everything wrong. And they were basically like, is that all you got? Like to this demon. Oh my God. Like all you got is like marbles and like all you can do is make us feel sick. Uh, that's that's it. Enough, that's enough for me. And then me, they got bitch. fucking scratched. <sighs> like, no, it was very, yeah. It just, that part, like, I feel like they wouldn't, they know better than to do that. And Katrina was very much like, yeah, we we did everything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so they acknowledged it, but like the guy, and then at the very end, he, like, they show Katrina in this car and like the producer or whatever, the cameraman. And she's like, he just called me and was like, get to wherever it was that they were at previously and um, bring Rob as the cameraman and come now. And it was like the middle of the night and they get to this house and he's like, they go in, they're like, Nick, where are you? And he's like yelling at the spirit. And oh like, my God. What do you want from me? And then he like literally offers this demon his soul because he's like, Oh, to protect my family, I'll do anything. Oh, <laughs> I was no. like, I'm like, there's no, like, this is like you're, you're acting right now. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, I can't watch this show anymore. No. But overall, like, the actual. It was like fun. Like, it was fun. fun. It was yeah. fun. And like the part where they were like actually gathering intel on like this entity and whatnot that was cool to watch Mm -hmm. but yeah (laughs) well maybe i'll check it out yeah i mean you should i'll probably watch other episodes too just to see if it's always like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah that that was my story well this brings us to our paranormal protection tip of the week So this week, we are encouraging you to use spirit-repelling minerals in your house and in your life. Precious stones like chalcedony. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I I don't know how to pronounce. Chalcedony. (laughs) If you know crystals and minerals, and you know, sorry, chalcedony (laughs) and obsidian, I know what that is, um, and metals like silver um, are purported to have a protective properties that will help ward off ghosts and evil spirits. Wearing jewelry made from these stones and minerals will allegedly help keep you safe. Silver bullets protect you from werewolves. werewolves. That's right. Well, they can kill werewolves. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes. There's like an herb, I think, that protects you from wolfsbane. Wolfsbane. That's like their um, weakness, I think. I don't know. I don't know. But I would like to get it more into crystals. My boyfriend thinks they're a bunch of shit <laughs> Clean because, yes <laughs> because i bought a crystal off of amazon well, that would have been the first because mistake. yeah well yeah amazon but you know <laughs> i bought it because my boyfriend snores so freaking loud and i'm a very light sleeper well when i'm trying to fall asleep and i was desperate so i bought a crystal and you know for the most part it does the trick but i still have my giant bottle of earplugs on my <laughs> Stand. Didn't you like hide it on his nightstand at first? So he well because see it? they were like you have to put it on his nightstand or you have to put it like in his pillow <laughs> or something. And we only had because when we when we first moved in together, the bed was like in the corner, so there was only one side that you could put the nightstand on. It was his side, so I put it like next to his head. But your bed was in the corner at the old place, yeah, at the one I'm. Oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. So yeah. 
Obsidian, <laughs> Chalcedony, and Silver. There you go, guys. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and on TikTok. Both handles are at DFWG podcast. As we said earlier, send in your encounters, questions, um, stories you have that maybe aren't even ghost related, but are, are spooky or weird. We're loving all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, we love to hear from you guys. And if you have a moment, please, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple really helps us out and could get us noticed yeah we have a few like a good a handful of reviews on apple Podcasts. i think we're five stars right yeah out, out yeah of, yeah like 10 reviews <laughs> on apple yeah <laughs> on apple Podcasts. Um, we're, we're almost at 30 on spotify <laughs> and also make sure i don't i don't use apple Podcasts, so i'm not sure but i know on spotify you can like subscribe to people's to podcasts or to artists so make sure you yeah. get notifications for when we drop new episodes um that way you can stay in the loop if you're not catching yeah, us on social you, media mm-hmm, you can do that on spotify and apple oh perfect yeah okay all right guys well with that remember to embrace the crystal life And always stay away from Ouija boards. Bye. Bye.